0: Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some Bengals headlines, and then we're going to review the roster in advance of training camp 2022. What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. It's finally here. We've all been waiting so patiently, and here it is. Training camp has begun. The Cincinnati Bengals season has begun. The wait is over. The season is here. All right, let's go over some headlines. So the Bengals announced their ring of honor. And we have two new inductees and two very well-deserving inductees. You have Isaac Curtis going in, and you have Willie Anderson going in. And Willie Anderson represents one of the younger Bengals to go in. A lot of it, up to this point, has been the old-time players. And you have someone like Willie Anderson. He kind of hopped a few guys in line there. You know, there's going to be some of the old-timers that are still going to get in there, and I want to see them get in while they're still alive but a very big honor for both of these players. And let's take a quick glimpse at why these players got in. So you have Isaac Curtis. He was the superstar wide receiver for us for his generation. And he played in an era that wasn't a passing era. You you know, you had two running backs in in the backfield on on probably 80% of the time. You had a fullback and a running back in there. It was a running league. It wasn't this wide open passing game like it is today. You know, the rules were a little bit different. And Isaac Curtis helped change those rules. I know we're fully aware of the five-yard chuck rule. You know, in the old days, they could just do anything they wanted to the wide receivers down the field. They can cut him at the knees, they could hold him, they could push him, they could knock him out of bounds. And what the Isaac Curtis rule did, they also call it the Mel Blunt rule because he was the Pittsburgh Steeler that was notorious for assaulting receivers at the line of scrimmage and beyond. So what this rule said is you can only... Mess with him inside of five yards. After that, you can't touch him until the ball is caught or touched. So we can credit Isaac Curtis and his skill with getting that rule changed. And that set up the modern NFL because we would not have the same kind of wide open passing, exciting NFL if not for this rule the impact that he in particular had on the game is so noteworthy and that's one of the reasons why he deserves to be in the ring of honor and you know if you look at his stats again he didn't play in a passing era and his stats were very good lifetime but they're not the monopoly numbers that guys are putting up nowadays or in the last 20 years because it is a different game, and there's so many more intelligent passing concepts than there were back then. So it was hard to put up huge numbers back then, but he still put up very good numbers. And maybe that's what's hurting him from getting into the actual Hall of Fame, is you know he doesn't have the flashy numbers, but man, he was a good player. And I've talked about this before on the show. My very first year of liking the Bengals, and I'm showing my age, unfortunately, way back in 1976, I saw a game live. Me being in New Jersey, the Bengals come into New Jersey, play against Joe Namath. You know, I was very young, so one of my only memories from the game, because it was so long ago, was Isaac Curtis going down the sideline for this huge, long pass play, and when I looked it up years later, it turned out it was an 85-yard touchdown to Isaac Curtis, so I got to witness that in person, so it was nice to see the greatness of Isaac Curtis influence me at an early age and help me become the Bengal fan that I have become now. And he was a very fast man. He was a sprinter. There was talk that he could have possibly tried out for the Olympics. He ran like a nine-three hundred. You know, the guy was just off the hook as far as his speed. But he also was a football player first, as they say. And that's why he was a great receiver first and a speedster second. But it all encompassed his game. He was durable. He had one year where he played eight games. And then there was the strike year where he played nine games. But aside from that, he was in the lineup constantly, and he played his whole career with the Cincinnati Bengals. Isaac Curtis, congratulations on being in the Ring of Honor. And then if you want to talk about another player that put up amazing numbers and just amazing feats during the course of his career, and another guy who's going to have to fight and get in line for the actual NFL Hall of Fame, even though he deserves to get in and hopefully will get in someday, just like Isaac Curtis you have Willie Anderson. And now Willie Anderson came a little bit later, of course, than Isaac Curtis, so I was able to see every snap of his career. And this is the best aspect of his career. I mean, you saw how good he played, but when you look at what he did, in a 13-year span, he allowed 16 sacks total. You know, there's some guys, and some guys on this team, that have allowed double-digit sacks in one season. And if you take it further, against nine of the top 11 all-time sack leaders, he allowed one sack. So he wasn't just shutting down pedestrian pass rushers. He was shutting down Hall of Famers and people that were on top of their game and on top of the league. So he really showed from you know, a small market team in Cincinnati, a lot of his career, that the, the The team wasn't that successful, but man, he was just locking down that side of the field, and he was one of the great tackles in our history of great tackles, and just another very durable player. In 2007, he only played seven games. In ninety nine, he played 14, but the rest of his career, he was in there for every game. Then as his career went on and the Bengals started being more successful, he made the All-Pro team three times in a row. And just his physical size, he was 6'5", 340, and he had great feet and great movement. He could bench press 675 pounds. Just a total world-class athlete that was shutting down the best in the league. And congratulations, Willie Anderson. You are so deserving of this honor. All right, moving on to other news. The Bengals announced that they're going to be wearing white helmets for a couple games this season, and that's really exciting stuff. I'm glad that the NFL loosened their policy on that. It's going to be a great look with the white uniforms, and it's nice to have an alternate helmet. Maybe the NFL will let them have the old-school helmet eventually, and we'll have three helmet combinations. The new uniform look is incredible. The traditional striped Cincinnati Bengal helmet is just, every time I see it, I just get a charge in me, and now these white helmets, I know it's so popular with the fan base, and it's the same thing. Once we start seeing that on the field, and once we start seeing Joe Burrow you know, rack up 400 yards in a playoff game with that helmet on, it's going to become an iconic helmet, just like their original helmet. So I'm glad that the team is forward-thinking and decided they wanted to put this really cool modern helmet in, and I'm glad the NFL let them. In other news, the Bengals announced that they're going to be renaming the stadium after a corporate sponsor. Now, I know, you know, for the diehards, you almost want to see them be pure and just keep it Paul Brown Stadium. We were one of, like, three teams in the league that didn't have naming rights, and, you know, we just kept it grassroots, honored Mr. Brown, you know, a a heroic innovator, the creator of the Bengals, you know, a legend, a Hall of Famer, the whole deal, but money talks and that's the thing you know it there's so much money to be made in renaming the stadium and as mike brown mr brown himself also said his father would agree with it his father would say yeah you know what don't honor me just bring in the money anything we can do to help the team so that's what they're doing in today's NFL, you need money. And if they're going to be building an indoor facility and if they're going to be paying out all these big contracts and, you know, to keep up with all the modern advances in the stadium and with the team and the organization, it makes sense to bring in a boatload of money like this for naming rights. So, I mean, if I had my vote, I would say keep it Paul Brown Stadium. But that's honestly a foolish take. You take the money, you invest it in back into the team, and you make the naming rights actually make your organization better. And the organization will be better with an indoor facility and some of the other changes that they're proposing. In other news, they're going to bring in Chris Odom, who was the USFL sack leader. And you never know how these guys are going to pan out, but I mean, at least he was the best pass rusher in the USFL. He had 12 and a half sacks over the season. They're going to give him a tryout. You know, you, you can always use pass rushers. They're so rare to get a good one. He's got some game experience. You never know. These guys are going to be hungry. You know, anyone from the USFL, you know their end game is to make it to the NFL. So you have someone here who was very successful there. Maybe that translates here. Maybe this is a non-story. Maybe the USFL guys are in the USFL for a reason and can't make the jump. But at least he's coming in. He's got a shot. It's another guy to throw into the mix. And you just never know. Then on the injury front, I was looking at who was put on the PUP list for other teams. Like, the first one that I saw was all the Ravens that were put on it. And I know it's not cool to root for injuries, and I don't root for players to get hurt. But when I saw the list of their guys, I'm like, oh, man, they're in a little bit of trouble this year. And I was like, we don't even have anybody going on the list. And then a day or two later, our list came out. So, you know, no team is immune from this. Everyone has guys that they want to heal. And what before I go into the list, what we did this year, and I think it's a brilliant idea, and it was brought up by Coach Taylor in one of his press conferences, is they abandoned the conditioning tests. And the conditioning tests are a, a rigorous workout to show what kind of shape you're in before training camp starts. And historically, you would see a couple guys get injured doing that. You know, maybe they, they tweak a hamstring a soft tissue injury, maybe something to a shoulder. You know, there's, there's so many things that can happen. And really, what is it? It's just for the training staff to see how well you did your homework in the off season on your body. That's really what it is. It doesn't mean anything. You know, maybe they can use it. Well, we can't go this hard with this guy yet because he's at this level of conditioning. Whatever the old school way was, this is the new school way. You keep everybody healthy. All these guys are in shape. This is the new NFL. There's no there's no guys smoking cigarettes and you know selling insurance in the off season. These guys are working on their bodies 52 weeks a year for the most part. So I don't think it's a factor. I think everyone is going to come in ready to play. Very 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 few guys need to come into training camp and play themselves into shape. So no conditioning tests, great idea. We'll know where everyone stands once training camp starts, and you know they're all going to be ready to play, especially coming off a of Super Bowl. There's no one messing around right now, especially when you have the leadership that we have on this team. Really good teaching, motivating coaches, and then you have accountability to the captains. You know, someone like Joe Burrow. You don't want to let Joe Burrow down if you're if you're a backup tight end. Do you want everyone to know that you're 20 pounds more than you should be and, you know, a couple tenths of a second slower than you should be because you were lazy in the offseason? No, because he's not going to throw you the ball. It's things like that. It's the leadership of the team that is going to make guys come in in good shape. So I know I prolonged this list, but here are the people that right now are on the physically unable to perform list. For the most part, these guys are just being protected in the short run So they don't have to practice right away and they can get geared up for maybe August and definitely be ready for September. But the sooner the better with most of them. So let's review the list. You have Joe Bocci, linebacker, and he tore his ACL fairly late in the season. So I understand why he's not going to be ready to come back. I heard he might be ready for opening day. That's a little bit of a long shot when you have an ACL tear as a linebacker. So we'll see where he's at, but that's understandable that he's going to go on this list. Same thing with Brandon Wilson. You know, he tore his ACL a little bit earlier in the season, but still it takes takes time to get right, and obviously the Bengals didn't feel he was right at this time. So he's another candidate that might miss a chunk of training camp and hopefully starts the season on the roster, or maybe he's one of those guys that sits out for a few of the first weeks. And then you have Khalid Kareem. He keeps battling that shoulder injury. That shoulder has been bothering him since he came into the league. And he's a, he's a hustle, try-hard player. And he's definitely someone that you want to protect from himself. Because if you have him out there in training camp going nuts, he could very well re-injure that shoulder and not be ready for the start of the year. Samadjay so Pirine's on the list. And I was looking everywhere, and I don't know why. I don't know what's going on with him. But for whatever reason, he's not going to be ready to play right away. We'll see when he comes off the list. But he's definitely someone that they're going to count on this year. He's definitely making the roster. Anyone who is mad at him for a couple things that happened in the postseason, I understand that, but he he was a big contributor for us in a lot of ways last year. And they're definitely looking to bring him back. And in this case, they're looking to make sure that he's healthy before he comes back. And then the two big ones, which are just scary to me, and I just have this... It just makes this eerie foreshadowing, which I'm hoping this isn't the case... During the whole season. I'm sure both of these guys are going to be back relatively quickly. But if these guys go down. We could be in a similar boat as last year. Of Joe Burrow running for his life. And taking too many hits. You have Alex Kappa who has a core injury. From the beginning of OTAs. I don't know how severe it is. But you know here we are in July. And still not ready to play yet. So Alex take your time. And heal. We need you to get to the gate in one piece. Now, as a new guy to the team, you'd like to see him get as much training camp practice as possible in, but he's a veteran in the league, and if it just takes him practicing for a week or two before the season starts being ready for Game 1, I'm fine with that. That's not ideal, but I just want him to get to the gate healthy and be able to play 17 games for us because our season is going to depend on his health And the next player who was on the non-football injury list, and I don't know what happened, he had great OTAs. Something happened since OTAs that enabled him to not be ready to play, and that's Lyle Collins. So again, if something happens to him and he misses significant time this year, it's going to put a big dent in our season. And again, Joe Burrow's going to take his share of hits. There's not a lot of tackle depth behind Lyle Collins. So we're really depending on Kappa and Collins to heal I don't know the extent of the injuries, but we just need those guys to take as much time as they can to be healthy, but also get a little time in the scheme. So, you know, week one against Pittsburgh, we all know what we're doing against that defensive line and all those crazy stunts and Watt and the whole crew of them out there. So Kappa, Collins, take your time, get right, but please, please, please give me 17 games plus playoffs because if you do, we're going to go places. I just want to mention a couple other quick pieces of news that I came across as I was editing right before the episode came out, so I'm adding them in at the end here. The Bengals signed three players to bring the roster up to 90 just in time for the start of training camp. The first one is Dominique Davis, who's a three-tech, and you can't have enough of them right now, and he's coming from the USFL. The second player is Raymond Johnson, who's a defensive end. He played 15 games for the Giants last year and had a sack, so at least he has some solid NFL experience. And then we re-signed to Gray Scales, who was on our practice squad last year. And in his career, he has five lifetime games, all with Pittsburgh. So three new defenders to add to the mix. And you never know what can happen with any of these guys. You know, you're in the arena. You all have a chance. I also wanted to announce that the Bengals have sold out of their season tickets for the first time in a long time. And that's a really good feeling. It's good for the organization to bring in that kind of money. And it's a direct result from being a successful team and having gone to the Super Bowl and also having exciting players like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and the rest of the crew. But, you know, you headline with those two young players, you go to the Super Bowl, and now everybody wants to get a ticket to see this show. And lastly, I touched upon some of the things that Mr. Brown said in his press conference. But the one thing that I didn't touch upon earlier was... He talked about Jesse Bates, and he said that he really did want to sign him, and they tried to get him on an extension, but he was honest. He said with Joe Burrow looming, and they want to be able to resign Higgins and re-sign Chase, and he threw Tyler Boyd into that mix. So he was very transparent about wanting to retain all three of those wide receivers, obviously Joe Burrow, and keep that chemistry together, even at the expense of losing a really good defensive player. So I admire the honesty there, and it's nice. He was pulling no punches and just being real with everyone. So, you know, thank you, Mr. Brown. It's very much appreciated. All right, I just found out some breaking news, which does not make me happy. I found out that Joe Burrow is getting an appendectomy, and it's probably an emergency. It probably just happened. And here we are on the eve of training camp, which was supposed to be his first normal training camp. And Joe's going to miss a little bit of time. It could be one week at the shortest. It could be up to four weeks at the longest. Let's figure it's going to come somewhere in the middle of that. So either way, he's going to miss a couple weeks. And even when he's back, you're going to want to take it slow with him for a while. So where are we at? You know, we're late July. We're probably looking at the second or third week of August before he's back to normal again. And it's just a shame. He just can't get a break. It doesn't affect his play. We see it. He's a great player as a rookie had no training camp second season rehabbing his knee the whole year didn't feel right until midway through the season and here we were all celebrating a normal training camp for joe burrow and he gets the bad news of appendicitis and an emergency procedure i'm just really down about this it's you know it's gonna i don't know what to say I mean, he has the chemistry with Chase and Boyd and Higgins, and so that's really not going to be an issue. He's been throwing with those guys. He's been working hard. It's, it's, it, there's going to be no drop-off in his game, but it's just psychologically just another hurdle, an unnecessary hurdle. It's just this is not a positive. I'm not saying it's, a, it's by any stretch it's a season crusher or anything like that. We're going to bounce back. We're going to be fine. We're still going to be the best team in the AFC, in my opinion. But, man... This is not good news and not fun to hear. I'm really sorry, Joe. Hang in there. Get better. We'll welcome you back when you come back, and we'll move forward from there. But, man. (laughs) Roster Analysis All right, so watching Cincinnati Bengals game is my absolute favorite thing to do in the world. And then next to that, regarding the Bengals, my other favorite thing is analyzing the roster. I just love doing it. There's sometimes when there's not a lot of Bengal news, and I may sound like really nutty here, but I'll actually just go over the roster on my phone. I'll go on bengals.com and I'll just look at the roster and be thinking about, all right, there's these guys at this position. Oh, this is this guy's height and weight. Oh, there, you know, it's these five guys. Who's going to make it? Who's not? It's all that stuff. So I really enjoy analyzing the roster. So that's what I'm going to do now for the start of training camp. Because we talked about all the other aspects. We talked about all the other news. Now let's talk about the players. And in this analysis, I'm not going to say... Alright, we're keeping nine offensive linemen. These are the nine guys, and you know this guy's this guy's going to make it. This guy's not going to make it in practice squad. It's not about that. It's too early for that. Anyone who does that now is jumping the gun. Yeah, is it exciting? Yes. Would I would I like to run down the list and give my predictions on that? Yes, that would be fun to do. But it it doesn't make sense. They haven't even practiced yet. You don't know who's going to be hurt. You don't know who's going to be a surprise. There's there's so much that goes into it. It's unfair to the players, and to yourself to try to predict the final roster before they even take a training camp snap. So the whole point of this is I just want to run down the players and just give a little prognosis on who's who, how they can contribute, and what's what. So let's go position by position, and I'm not going to make this a novel. I'm just going to try to burn through the list with a few comments about a few players. So we go to quarterback, Joe Burrow period right that's all I have to say Brandon Allen he's going to be the backup and hopefully he keeps developing he's Joe Burrow's confidant again more of a coach than a player at this point you know if he has to get in there hopefully he has a game like he had against Deshaun Watson years ago and not a game like he had against the Browns this year not trying to diss on him for some reason I'm still a little upset at that performance but Brandon Allen is the backup he comes in at a low price and Brandon, get as much training camp work as you can in. Hopefully you won't have to sniff the field unless it's the victory kneel down when Joe has already been sitting out for a whole half because we're up 33 points on the Ravens. And then you have Jake Browning, and they must like Browning because they didn't bring in anyone to compete with them. All right, moving on to running backs we're expecting a big season out of Joe Mixon now carrying the ball as much as he does and as physically as he runs you know there's sometimes where Joe looks for contact where he may might not have to just to make a statement and I man come on you love those statement runs I, I can't get enough of them but for the length of your career they start adding up if you if you do that too much so what i'm really hoping for is a healthy Joe Mixon we got that last year and we saw the results one of the top players in the league Definitely worthy of a Pro Bowl, and hopefully this year is the same thing, because if he stays healthy through 17 games and beyond, that's a major weapon that teams are going to have to deal with because they're going to be so worried about Burrow. And then you have a guy almost as dangerous in the backfield doing very dangerous things. So I'm expecting a huge year out of Joe Mixon. Joe, please stay healthy. Just please make your statement runs when necessary, but also... Use some caution when necessary, too. You're definitely not a coward if you hop out of bounds here and there to live to fight another day. Because with you out of the lineup, the running back room isn't as strong, and we all know that. Then moving on to other players, Samaje Perine, we talked about a little bit earlier in the show. He's going to have his role. They love him on special teams. He's a good rotational back. Let's Let's knock out the play in the playoffs where he tipped the ball and it was intercepted. Let's knock out the last play of the Super Bowl where he should have dove and didn't catch it i understand those are two frustrating plays those are two of the plays that can kind of run you out of town but if you think about and maybe there's a couple other small things but if you think about his body of work over the last year two years he's been a very solid player he's, he's a good blocker he runs through a brick wall every time you give him the ball lunch pail type of running back who i love to have as an alternate to joe mixon and we're probably going to see Mixon in there more on third downs than last year. You know, last year was almost a formula to put in P. Ryan And then we kind of learned from the Super Bowl that it burned us. And you're probably going to see Mixon be more of a three-down back, which will result in less time for P. Ryan. And that brings up third downs. You're going to see Chris Evans, the next running back who's going to be on the squad he's probably going to get some more third downs because of his pass-catching ability, because of his route-running ability. There's been a lot of clamor to get him more involved in the offense. And I think, you know what? Maybe they didn't trust him as much as a blocker last year just because he's a rookie. Now another year in the system, he develops his blocking a little bit more, and he gets more touches, and with more touches comes more success. And then he becomes a household name in this offense, and big things happen for him as well. So an excellent stable of three top running backs for this team. I I like our one, two, and three. And then you go beyond that and you have Elijah Holyfield, who was here last year. So he's got another year in the system and he's a bruising running back. So we'll see what the future holds for him. Travion Williams has been here for a while. And you know what? When he gets the opportunity, which is unfortunately for him in in junk time, he's been good. And, you know, they keep him around for a reason. And I, I would love to see him get his opportunity. It's just... He's got three guys in front of him that are hard to beat out. So, you know, I'm hoping that he's on the squad. I'm hoping that he gets some opportunities this year to show what he can do. Not at the expense of another player getting injured, but I just would like him to get a fair shake in his career. But I want to see him in stripes still. And then you move on to Shamari Jones, and he's a little bit of a Mixon type. You know, he's four or five, decent speed, but he's got, like, that Joe Mixon size, and he has the agility too. So he's, like... He's someone that if everything goes sour on us this year, and I do not that's no disrespect to him, but he could be a guy that comes in and helps take some of those carries in a pinch. On to wide receiver. We all know Jamar Chase isn't going to sneak up on anyone this year. Not that he really did last year. He's just so dominant that he had a great year as a rookie. Look for that to continue. They're going to find new ways to use him. There's talk of using him more in the slot. He's going to he's another guy who's very analytical about his game and every step and every movement and leverage so you can see him with another year in the NFL become more even more of an intelligent on the field player and we all know about his physical skills so I really like what I see in him obviously you know he's he's one of the top wide receivers in the league if not the top and he's has another year to put it all together and get better so assuming that his health is fine He's going to put up Monopoly numbers again. So I'm very excited about Jamar Chase this year. And T. Higgins is coming off that Super Bowl where he probably would have been the MVP had we won it, unless they gave it to Burrow. The labrum in the shoulder is probably mostly healed, and by the beginning of the season, he should be good to go. He had a great season last year. Another guy, in first year, he made an impact, hard for a rookie at wide receiver. Second year, went up even despite an injury, a pretty significant one. Third year, going up even more so I there's no, nothing more to say about Jason Higgins except wow we, we we are set there and Tyler Boyd I'm not going to leave him out of the mix he is a phenomenal wide receiver and he had some games where he was very involved and he had some games where he wasn't as involved but it's still Tyler Boyd still someone you can lean on constantly he's still a young player you know we always think that he's a veteran and you know he's old but he's only 27 years old so he's got a lot of mileage left. You know, and look for him to be a threat to put up 70, 80 catches this year if, if used properly. And adding to that three-headed monster at wide receiver. So if all three of those guys stay healthy all year, there's no question we're making the playoffs. That's It's just a given if those guys can stay healthy. We were lucky last year. They all did for the most part. And let's hope we get another year of that luck, you know, with Mixon and those three and Burrow. That's a hard skill position group to top for anybody and I know there's other teams that people are like well you know the Bengals are the fourth best in not you know what the Bengals are number one in skill position in my opinion or very close if not and then the big conundrum starts for the other wide receivers behind them because it's not a lot of guys that have had a ton of success in this league but you know you look at a guy like Mike Thomas his first year with Joe Burrow before Joe got hurt Joe was looking for him a lot, and he excelled in those four five-wide receiver sets. So I, I have a lot of faith in him, and I think he's going to be that first man off the bench for the multiple sets, and if someone gets hurt for any significant period of time, you're going to see him get more playing time, and I'm totally fine with that. I do believe in Mike Thomas, and you know, hopefully the team does as well, and he, and he gets plenty of catches and plenty of chances this year. And then it starts getting a little thinner after that as far as NFL experience, but not talent. Like, Trent Taylor is a veteran in this league. I know he had that great two-point conversion in the playoffs, which really helped us. But he's a guy, and he he returns punts. But he's another guy that has seen it before. And if, if we have any problems in the slot, or if we want to run, you know, four or five and have two guys in the slot, opposite side kind of thing, he's a good candidate for that as well. So he's going to get his fair share, I would say, It would probably be an injury before you see him get a ton of action in the offense because they're going to want to use him as a punt returner. But he's someone that's totally going to be on the roster. And you need some veteran presence there. It can't just be, you know, your top three and then a bunch of guys that never played in the league before. So look for them to hold on to a player like this. And I'm hoping that he builds on that two-point conversion and, and makes some damage in the passing game and continues to be a reliable punt returner like he was last year. And Trent Irwin, he's fighting for his job every year, it seems, but he's done nothing to lose that job. Again, last year they used him in like the first game or two. I think he had like a 27-yard reception in traffic, getting hit. He's a guy with good hands, good routes, and every time he gets a chance to play, whether preseason or regular season, he seems to do the job. But he's someone that I really silently root for to get more action because he's such an underdog. You know, when he first came, they were like, who is this guy? And it's been like that his whole career, and all he does is do what he has to do to make the team and contribute. So I'm hoping that Trent Irwin is in there in the five wide receiver sets. And I'm hoping he puts up a handful of touchdowns this year and people start taking notice that wow, this guy can play. And then on to Stanley Morgan. I said Stanley Morgan is going to be on this team for another five, six years, period. You know, he's our Matthew Slater. He is just a monster on special teams. And that's going to be his role. And he's also, when Auden Tate was in there last year and then got hurt, you saw Morgan come in as like a blocking wide receiver, and he did phenomenally in that role. So look for him to continue those roles as a gunner and as a blocking wide receiver and as an occasion get an occasional short pass, just to keep everybody honest. But Stanley Morgan will be here for a while, and I like that. And then you have Puka Williams. The Bengals aren't really sure what to do with him. Ideally, it would be nice if he could develop into that gadget guy where maybe he runs the ball, some jet sweeps, some returns, some slot work, getting him the ball in space kind of thing. That would be the ultimate goal for Puka. And, you know, in year two, he's got some pressure coming on him on the roster. His size has always been a little bit of concern, but not his his quickness and ability and vision on the field those are all good things and hopefully the Bengals find a role for him and hopefully he he really gravitates towards that role and presents defenses with a a confusing option you know you have all these big receivers on the outside you have all these you have the big three star receivers the guys that I mentioned as, as backups aside from Trent Taylor they're all on the on the larger side and then you got this guy who's quick could get lost in the shuffle underneath maybe do some damage. So that's Puka Williams' chance, is to be a gadget guy. It's hard to keep a roster spot open for a gadget guy, but if they develop a little package that he's very successful at, then you're going to see him make this team and do some really good things for us. All right, so then you move on to the four undrafted guys. You have Javon Hiley. And he's a guy with good hands, good routes. He's a returner, but not burning speed. And you have Kwame Lassiter, who also impressed in OTAs by running good routes. And he's a returner, but another guy who's not ultra fast. So you have these guys that have college experience returning the ball, but I still think you need to have that elite quickness to be a successful returner in the NFL. I mean, good that these guys have reliable hands. Like I said, they liked what they've seen out of Lassiter so far. And Jack Sorensen's the same way. Good awareness on the field, good routes, but not a burner. The only guy of the four undrafteds is Kendrick Pryor, who ran a 4.38. So if you're looking for a guy with NFL speed, regardless of the routes and the hands, he's the guy that has the best measurables out of all of these guys. And it seems like Lassiter is the locker room favorite right now but anything can happen all four of these guys are going to be fighting for their nfl careers they all have their good points they all have their bad points there's a lot of competition ahead of them you know we're talking eight guys ahead of these four anything can happen maybe one of these guys turns into just a a superb player the light goes on the hunger's there everything just goes in their favor and you get a quality nfl player out of them or maybe they go to the practice squad. We'll see what happens, but it's exciting. There's a lot of wide receivers in camp, and when you have a guy like Joe Burrow, he'll find you. All right, on to tight end. Hayden Hurst, they're expecting big things out of him. A former number one draft pick, has been around the league, has the experience, has shown really, really good flashes when healthy and when used properly. I'm predicting big things from him this year. He's going to be our main pass-catching tight end. You're going to have Drew Sample behind him. He's been reliable as far as staying healthy. And they're going to be looking at him as far as being a blocking tight end and occasionally, you know, being that surprise. Oh, my God, they threw him the ball. You know, there was a couple of those last year, too, where he sneaks up on teams because they just don't expect him to catch the ball. And then behind that, it's it's going to be a dogfight. So you have Mitchell Wilcox from last year, who is a quick tight end, who was decent in blocking good on special teams, has good hands, runs good routes, so he's going to have his chances this year. And then you have Thaddeus Moss. I don't know why, but, well, I know why, maybe because of his father and the LSU thing, but he's one of my underdog favorites that I just constantly root for to make the team and contribute and get some playing time and catch a couple key touchdown passes from Burrow. They do have that chemistry. He's shown to be a very good pass-catching tight end. It's been health that's a problem. So here we are in July The health issues with the foot and the hamstring are assumingly behind him, and now he's going to get a chance to really try to win that third tight end spot and find himself on the roster, contributing, and catching passes from Joe Burrow. Then behind those guys, you have Scotty Washington, that wide receiver who was converted to a tight end and had the dedication to add 30 pounds to his frame to do so, and I'm hoping things pan out for him. That's a big commitment to say I'm going to switch positions I'm going to transform my body. I'm going to get used to mixing it up with defensive ends and edge rushers. And, I mean, I commend him, and he's another guy that I root for based on all of those things. So he's going to get a fair shake too. Again, that third, fourth tight end position is wide open. If any of these guys really want to just step up and take control of their destiny and their career, it's right there for them. So he's another guy who's got a shot, and I'm pulling for him as well. And then you got the new guys. you got Nick Eubanks brought over from Dallas. And from what I've read, again, I haven't seen him play. Let's be honest. He's a practice squatter or a third four-stringer for Dallas. I haven't seen his his career or a snap, so it's unfair for me to speak on his ability. He's got good speed, and he's a special teams guy. So maybe those are his contributions. And then you have Justin Rigg, who's a really big tight end at 6'6", 260, an undrafted guy. He's got good hands, but he's more of a blocking tight end, so he might be the insurance plan if something happens to sample. So maybe a guy that hangs out on the practice squad, You know, he's got a lot of guys in front of him to try to beat out, especially if they want a guy who's a pass catcher and you're more of a blocking tight end. You can't store too many of those guys on the roster. So we'll see what kind of niche he carves out for himself, and we'll see what the future holds for Justin Rigg. All right, at center, you have Ted Karras, who's going to be the starter. And Burrow loves him already and is saying he likes his vocal leadership, and he's a veteran, and he's been successful on other teams. So another guy, just stay healthy. Our season really depends on you being healthy as, as part of that, protecting Joe Burrow with these new offensive linemen. So Karras is a welcome addition. If everything goes like it did in OTAs, and he just continues on the path that he has his whole career, we got ourselves a really good player there. And then there's a couple of guys behind him. You figure, you know, they're probably going to keep one of these guys on the active roster. You have Trey Hill, who had a few starts last year, and also a guy who can swing out to guard. So that has value for him. And the Bengals like those young guys that they drafted over the last couple years. You know, Adeniji, Deontay Smith, uh, Trey Hill. You know, there's a handful of them that even though they haven't totally excelled in the NFL yet they've won the coaching staff over. And I think Trey Hill is one of those guys. So he's strong as an ox. He looks the part. He comes from the SEC. So everything's in place for him to continue and have a really good career. My goal is hopefully he doesn't see the starting lineup because Kara stays healthy and the guards perform well. But he is someone that can swing and will probably be on the roster. So I'm hoping that the arrow is pointing up for him and he's everything that we wanted when we drafted him. Then you have Lamont Galliard, who was a veteran that we picked up last year, who was basically stored on the practice squad. I don't know how they feel about him. He's obviously here this year, so they want to give him a shot. He didn't really get much of a chance last year. They they would rather have gone to the rookie like Hill rather than him. But Lamont, you know, you're getting up there in your career. The time is now. If you want to continue, at least you want to continue on this Super Bowl-bound team, you do everything you can. And what do I always say, right? You take care of your body. You study. You use your head on the field. You, you make your life football. And I know most of these guys do that. But you do control your own destiny. You're in the game right now. So take advantage of it. And take your career into your own hands. And become a dominant player for this offensive line. That's all I can tell you. That's the only advice I can give you right now. The cards are stacked against you. But you have a shot. And then one of the undrafted is Ben Brown. They're pretty high on him. And he played a lot of right guard. And he played a lot of center in college. He's got great length. He had a biceps injury, which ended his college career and maybe led to him being undrafted. But he's got good size, 6'5", 315 as a center. That's very good size. Another guy, we'll see what happens. A a young player, maybe maybe it was a biceps thing that made him slip so badly and not get drafted. And maybe he's a diamond of a player. And we're going to find that out when the pads come on. And best of luck to him as well. All right, then moving on to guard and tackle. The strange thing about our roster is, aside from the centers that we just talked about, we basically have four pure guards and then two guys that are swing guard tackles, and we have four pure tackles. So we're going to probably be depending on some of these swing guys to really win a roster spot because it doesn't seem like a a whole bunch of offensive linemen to choose from. It seems like most of these guys are going to make the squad, and let's run through them right now really quickly. Alex Kappa... One of the keys to the season. He stays healthy and plays like he did down in Tampa Bay. It's going to be monster for us this year. Great movement skills, excellent pedigree, blocking for Tom Brady, the whole deal. Very excited to have him aboard. Jackson Carman entering year two. I'm hoping that the maturity increases with another year in the league. He's obviously as strong as an ox. He's got the SEC pedigree, the whole deal. He's, he's back on the left side. Maybe that'll help him. And we're counting on him. They're penciling him in as a starter right now. So it's a matter of, Jackson, let the light come on and really focus. You're a second-round draft pick. There's a lot expected out of you. you got to come in here and take it. We need you to perform well. You know, we can't have three diamond new offensive linemen and Jonah Williams and then have a liability at guard. It can't be. And Carmen had flashes last year of playing well. And I thought most of his problems were mental and schematic. Like, I thought he, he lost a lot of people on stunts. You know, he I saw him get overpowered a little bit here and there. But really, it wasn't a physical issue. I thought I thought it was more of a mental issue. So hopefully he gets those things cleaned up. He's got another year with Coach Pollock. Then you have Akeem Edenogy, another guy who was a tackle, converted to a guard. And the Bengals coaching staff likes him. Third year in the system. You know, he's been in their culture and they still keep him around had a rough time last year let's not lie had a rough Super Bowl I don't even want to talk about that but here he is and he's going to get a shot at making the roster and there are some openings at guard you know if there's problems with Kappa's health and if Carmen doesn't perform as expected then there's chances for some guys like Adenogy to get in there so we'll see what happens with him. And then you have Desmond Noel, an undrafted guy. He's a left guard, so he's another guy who can back up Carmen and fight for that position. 6'4", 3'10", decent size, and he's from Cincinnati. I don't know what to expect out of him, but he's another guy that's going to get a chance. And you never know, an undrafted guard, some of those guys can pan out as well. So just because we haven't seen much of him and he comes in unheralded does not mean that the story has been written for him. So Desmond, you can write your own story. And then before we go to the tackles, let's go to the swing guys. And that's Deontay Smith, who is probably going to play more guard than tackle, but can do both. We saw him have a decent game or two at left tackle last year. And we saw him play decently at guard. And we saw him play decently as the extra offensive lineman. So out of all the new guys, even Jackson Carmen, he's been my favorite one from that whole draft class. The year before with the and then the three guys we have last year. Deontay Smith in my opinion even though he's was a fourth rounder not a second rounder you know like Harmon Deontay Smith was my favorite one and I thought he played the best out of all of them I hope that continues and another year on the system so sky's the limit for him too and the opportunities there you know there's if you're the next guy off the bench there's plenty of opportunity there and if there's any problems at the guard positions you have a shot at starting as well Deontay. And then Cordell Volson, the rookie that they brought in, he's got really good size and length. And he's another one that's a, a guard tackle swing guy, but they're looking for him to compete with Jackson Carmen for that left guard spot. Now, he wasn't there for OTAs, so we don't know what we're getting in him as far as an NFL player, but obviously he was phenomenal in college. The Bengals are really high on him and high enough where they think that he gets he's going to have the chance to compete for a starting job. And remember, if there's any, even if he doesn't, become the starter if anyone goes down he could be the next guy off the bench so a lot of big things expected out of Cordell Volson and I'm rooting for you too my man all right moving on to tackle Lyle Collins is another big key to this season our big free agent signing from this year was at the top of the league when healthy and if he stays healthy he's going to be at the top of the league again so a very 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 big component to this team's success this year So as soon as he's back in the lineup, let's hope he stays there for 17-plus games, and that will be a major component in this team's Super Bowl run. Jonah Williams on the other side. They picked up his options, so they like what they're seeing out of him. He's had some ups and downs in his career. He was one guy that they kept from last year. They replaced basically the whole offensive line, but they kept him. So Jonah, you know, like I said last year, Jonah... In the beginning of games, I thought you got a little overwhelmed at times, but then you settled down and played pretty well after that. If you can just continue and just go into games consistent from beginning to end, we shouldn't have many problems with you. And the light has gone on. That Raiders playoff game from last year was a big example and I've said it multiple times, I don't mean to be redundant, but let's see that Jonah Williams. And if we do, sky's the limit for you as a player, and the sky's the limit for this team, because you're the one protecting Joe Burrow's side. It doesn't matter that they have the new center and the two studs on the right side. If Joe is getting assaulted from his blind side, none of those guys are going to matter. So, Jonah, you are a major, major key to the success of this team. And I'm glad you stayed healthy last year, which was big. And if you if your health continues and you continue to build upon the successes from last year, sky's the limit for you too, my friend. So let's go. Then you have Isaiah Prince, another guy. He's been here for a few years. They like him. I'm gonna put him in the same boat as Adenogy. You know, he was forced into duty last year, and you know, he had his struggles. Let's let's be honest. I'm I'm assuming he's gonna make the team because they're a little thin at tackle and he does have experience and he did have good flashes. But we can't have what we saw in the postseason and in the Super Bowl out of Isaiah Prince because what? what's... why? I say that all the time. If you're a backup in the NFL and you come in and there's a significant drop-off, then what are you really contributing to the team? So let's hope that Isaiah Prince builds on the strong aspects of his game and, you know, we, we go forward from there. Then the other tackle is an undrafted free agent, Devin Cochran, He was a right tackle for most of his career, but then ended his college career as a left tackle. He's got a seven-foot wingspan. There's some pros and cons to his game. You know, the great wingspan, the great punch. Maybe the footwork needs a little work, but that's why you're undrafted, and that's why you get a guy like Coach Pollock that can say, wow, I got a guy with this kind of wingspan, and I'm going to figure out a way to coach him up and make him a productive NFL player. So he's also got a shot. Every one of these offensive linemen has a shot, whether they're the new... A highly touted free agent or some undrafted guy that we've never heard of whoever plays the best is going to get in there and that's all that matters and the franchise not just this season the franchise depends on these guys protecting joe burrow so guys it's time nothing like the super bowl last year it just it it just can't be that way All right, on to the defense. Defensive ends, Trey Hendrickson, just continue what you did last year. You're on top of your game. You're one of the top defensive players in the league right now. I know you didn't come to OTAs. Who cares? Just be at training camp and be the Trey Hendrickson we had last year, and everything's going to go fine for this team. Sam Hubbard, great against the run, contributes as a pass rusher. Continue to build on your game. Obviously, the coaching staff loves you. The fan base loves you and you're a good, solid, reliable player, I say I want to see you make the next jump. You had some great plays last year, and I do respect you as a player, and obviously you're a starter and a deserving starter. But now let's push it. Let's push it to Pro Bowl level. That's where we want to see Sam Hubbard, not just you know the good homegrown product who's a reliable left defensive end. We want to see a superstar, and you have the physical skills to do that, and you have the experience in the league to do that. So now, year five, let's see some flashes of a Pro Bowl Sam Hubbard. Then you have Joseph Osai, who we're all excited about. You know, we had a taste last year for one preseason game. And we, you know, we thought we had the next Lawrence Taylor there. And uh, let's hope that that continues. Again, that's one preseason game last year. We can't get too excited about that. But he's healthy, seemingly, right now. And if that preseason game is the norm for his career, our problems are answered. Our pass rush is just going to be at the top of the league. Cam Sample, a versatile defensive end, very good against the run, can move inside to defensive tackle. So he's going to carve his role with the team. He's got good size, good length. So another guy, another guy who you, I can predict whether starter or backup is going to be with this team for another five years. You know, you could just see it. He's he just feels like that. Just a reliable player who makes the plays when called upon, and a good rotational guy. Then you have Khalid Kareem, big-time hustler, not healthy right now, made a huge play last year like we talked about. But if he's healthy, he's someone that's going to make the team and get in that rotation and contribute. Jeffrey Gunter, they brought in as a late-round draft pick, so he's going to get a shot to prove that he can rush the passer and play defensive end in this league. 6'4", 263, you know, decent size, not overwhelming size. But they drafted him for a reason, and he's going to get every chance possible to compete for a spot on this team. And at defensive end, there are opportunities to make this team and get some playing time. So wishing him the best, and you never know. you know, Maybe you're one of those late-round picks that comes in and just lights up the league. And then Wyatt Hubert last year was stolen from him, another late-round draft pick. He's back from injury. We never knew what we had in him. But he's going to get a full training camp and beyond to prove himself. And it's exciting. It's like having another draft pick because his rookie year was totally wiped out. So he's got an uphill battle. There's a lot of guys to compete with there. But we'll see what Wyatt Hubert brings. Obviously, they drafted him for a reason. And then the other defensive end is Noah Spence, a veteran. He was mostly on the practice squad last year. And, you know, he's kind of in the same boat as Lamont Galliard, as I said earlier. You know, time's ticking on your career. This is your fifth year in the league. You have the chance to be on a team that's going to go places this year. So do everything you can to make a dent, make the roster, and get some playing time. It's, it's on you. You have the experience. You've been in the league. Now's the time to show. All right, then on to defensive tackle. The problem with defensive tackle, and we've been talking about it all offseason, or not as much me, but the fan base has, as far as needing a three technique to replace Joby. Because if you look at some of the top projected guys there, you have DJ Reader, who's a superstar player who doesn't get the recognition he deserves, but I mean, he is our number one defensive tackle, and he's a one. And then behind him, you have Josh Tupo, who had a great season last year and was part of that four man rotation in there that was just phenomenal. So he's another one who's a one. So it's, it's hard to see Reader and Tupo in there at the same time unless it's a running situation, an, an obvious running situation. And then you have Tyler Shelvin who had the wrist injury in OTAs. Hopefully he's back healthy. We're expecting big things out of him. When they drafted him in the fourth round, we were thinking, what a steal. We have a major player that's going to be a big-time contributor. Last year, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was physical. I don't know if it was mental. The light didn't quite go on for him. But he's got this year to prove himself. He's an LSU guy. And we're all rooting for him, but he's another one who's a one technique. So if all three of those guys play their best, you have three guys that play one position. That's hard to get on the field at the same time. So then you're looking at the three techniques. And then you have B.J. Hill, who we all know was the trade for Billy Price, the steal, who had that interception in the playoffs, which was magical, but overall just had a great year and got a big contract and very well deserving. So he's going to be our three technique starter. And then behind him, you have a couple guys that are a little undersized for defensive tackle. Like Zach Carter, I thought of him more as a defensive end, defensive tackle, swing guy, like a Cam Sample. But it's looking like they're going to try to trust him and depend on him as a three technique. So as a third-round pick in the draft, that's a fairly high pick. They're going to be looking for him to make the team and contribute. So again, I hope the light goes on quickly for you, Zach Carter. You have a very good opportunity to get some playing time because there's not a lot of competition at the position that you play. So good luck to you, and I hope you have an amazing camp. And then you have Tyreekus Tisdale, who's another undrafted. He's more of a 3-4 defensive end, but it looks like they're going to move him inside as well. Long and athletic, but very raw. We'll see what happens with him, but I know a lot of fans are excited about him, and he's got a chance to compete for that three technique as well. All right, on to linebacker. Obviously, Logan Wilson had a breakout year last year. And assuming he's healthy, we're going to look for that to continue. And he's in a contract year. So we're hoping that Logan Wilson has a monster year. And judging by everything from last year, if he stays healthy, he will. And then his partner over there, and the guys that you're going to see on the field more than any other, Jermaine Pratt, he's more of our thumper linebacker. And he had a very good year last year, too. And he's also in a contract year. So you have these two guys you know, playing for future money that had some good success on a Super Bowl bound team last year. So, very excited to keep those guys together and have those two guys be our primary linebackers. And then we welcome back Akeem Davis Gaither. We don't know how much we missed him because he really wasn't around that much, but. He's a fast linebacker. He's almost like the Trey Flowers of linebackers who can cover tight ends and show some speed, but also has some hitting ability. And I'm excited for him. He's one of those other players that, you know, heading into his third year, I'm excited to see what he can contribute. So, you know, he's going to be a staple and probably the third linebacker. And it's just a matter of him staying healthy and having a good training camp. And he's going to see a lot of time this year. And you could see him on special teams as well. Then you go to Marcus Bailey, another guy who needs to stay healthy, but he played well in spot duty. He's a great special teamer, and he also backed up in the middle last year when we had some problems. So if he's healthy, he's going to have a good training camp, You know, plenty of time to get ready for the season, another year in the league. So I'm predicting that Marcus Bailey is going to be a heavy contributor this season as well. Then you have Joe Bocci, who played well when he came in, but with the ACL, we don't know how much we're going to get out of him early in the year. Hopefully he comes back midway. You know, linebacker is a position where a lot of guys get hurt. It's a very physical position. So you definitely need some guys late in the year as reinforcements, and he might be a candidate for that. Clay Johnston comes back, and he's the guy who made the big play on Derrick Henry in the playoffs. So, you know, he's kind of a a legend for that. Very quick linebacker, special teamer, and that's the same boat that Keandre Jones is in, another special teams linebacker. And you need some guys like that. You know, you're not going to put Logan Wilson out there on special teams. We saw what happened with that. So you want to have some linebackers like that that are fast, big hitters that you can get in there. And both of these guys, Johnston and Keandre Jones, fall into that category. So you're going to see, you know, at least one of those guys on the roster doing their thing. Hopefully they find a way to keep both around. And, again, they have a whole training camp to duke that out and figure out who's, who's going to have what role with this team. And then the two new guys undrafted, you have Clarence Hicks, who's more of a pass rusher, and you have Carson Wells, who's more of a thumper tackler. So they brought in one of each linebacker, and again, with the amount of injuries you get at linebacker and the thinness at this position, everyone's got a shot. So these guys bring in specialties. You know, you have the pass rusher, and then you have like the pure middle linebacker tackler type. So again, you guys have a shot too. Let's see what kind of niche you can carve for yourselves And if if nothing else, you you hang around on the practice squad. And if any injuries happen, you're a late-season reinforcement as well. All right, on to corner. There are so many corners, and that's indicative of what the NFL is. You know, everyone's running four wide receiver sets, five wide receiver sets. It's such a wide-open passing league that you just want to have as many corners as you can. You want to bring in as many as you can and see how many can play at this level. It's going to be—I'm not going to— go into heavy detail on all these guys because, honestly, there's just too many. So I'm just going to run through them alphabetically. Eli Apple had a great year last year. I know he had what happened to him in the Super Bowl, but he had a great year. And leading up in the playoffs, he made some huge plays. The Tyreek Hill stop at the goal line, the interception. He had a very, very solid year out of a guy who wasn't expected to do much. And against Cooper Cup, there's not a lot of guys that can defend that. I know I'm going over Apple more than I said I was going to go over these guys, but I just wanted to lay that out there. That, you know, e- even Jalen Ramsey wasn't going to stop Cooper Cup on those routes. So it's easy to hate, hate on someone and find a villain and find someone to blame a Super Bowl loss on. But that's not Eli. Eli Apple did not lose the Super Bowl for us. You want me to be totally honest, and I hate selling our guys out, but the offensive line lost the Super Bowl for us. Let's be honest. It wasn't Eli Apple. So he's going to probably be a starter at corner. He's going to have some competition from some of the younger guys. But if he's in there as the starter, I think we're going to be okay, especially if he builds off of what he did last year. We have some good secondary coaches. So there you have it with Eli Apple. Owuzie, Pro Bowl-type year last year. Had some health issues because he's a hard hitter and always getting involved in the action. So we saw him go in and out of the lineup a little bit. But assuming he stays healthy, he's going to be a very good candidate for the Pro Bowl. And he the light really went on for him. You know, he was a good player in Dallas, but it just seemed like what the the fifth year light went on for him last year, and he was one of the top corners in the league and a major reason why we went so far. Then you have John Brannon, who was a practice squatter. He's he's more of a zone player, outside guy, got the length, so he you know he's going to have a chance to get into that mix, and if he can show what he does. He'll find himself somewhere on the roster, whether it's active or practice squad. Jalen Davis, another guy who fought his way onto the roster late last year and is a good backup slot corner. And, you know, you can't just dismiss it as a guy that isn't a really big name. And, you know, we ha- we have all these new guys that we drafted. Jalen Davis is expendable. I don't know. I-, I think he's a good backup slot player. I mean, you have Dax Hill who can play that role. But if he's playing a lot of safety, you're going to need a pure backup slot corner that's when Jalen Davis is and if he continues the way he played last year you're going to see him on that final 53 as well Trey Flowers carved out the niche as that corner who covers tight ends and did a great job last year against your Kelsey's and your Waller's you know very very tough assignments for him and he showed up so he comes at a a discounted price and you're going to see his involvement step up because if you remember He became that tight end coverage guy a little bit later on in the year. Now he's got a full offseason to prepare for that role. I'm expecting big things out of Trey Flowers, to be honest with you. You move on to Alan George. He's a 4-3 guy, slot guy who also plays outside and undrafted. We'll see what we have there. Mike Hilton, one of the best slot corners in the league. He's obviously going to be a perennial starter and hopefully a member of this team for years to come. Delante Hood, a lot of guys are excited about him undrafted. Another four three eight guys. So you know you bring in an Allen George at four three, Delante Hood at four three. You're bringing in some fast guys to compete. And speaking of four three guys, you have Cameron Taylor Britt, who everyone is really excited about, and they're thinking that he's going to push Eli Apple for a starting spot. And let him, you know, let the best man win. Let them both be ready to start in this league because that's to our advantage. If if those guys are equal, then that means we have four great corners if you want to say Hilton Awuzie, Apple and now Taylor Britt. So we'll see what happens there, but second round pick, everyone's excited about this guy including me. So let's see when the pads come on and training camp and preseason games start. What we have in Cam Cam Taylor Britt and I'm very excited to see him play. Then you have Buki Radley Hiles He's a slot guy too, but a 4 5 guy, so that might work against him. But he also plays a little bit of safety, that swing guy that we're, we're bringing in a lot of this year with your Dax Hill, Tyson Anderson, uh, Cantell or Britt Brit is kind of one of those guys. And Radley Hiles is also one of them. Fast enough to cover receivers, but tough enough to cover tight ends and tackle in the back end. So we'll see what kind of role he can carve out. And then you have Abu Darami Soare who is a really good success story. He was from Sierra Leone. He played in the German League. There's talk of him. He was a a restaurant host, and he door-dashed. So a real rags-to-riches story and someone that you're just rooting for to make this team. And, you know, I read the one article on Bengals.com, and there's you just want to see this guy make it in some capacity. So we'll see. He's the type, because of all the adversity that he faced in life, He's the type that might take it, all these guys are going to take it seriously, let's be real, but he might take it more seriously because he's seen the other side and, you know, not even a highly touted college player, had to go over to Germany and just a lot of adversity in his life and hopefully that prepares him to compete on the football field and make a dent on this team. So he's one of the guys that I'm silently rooting for as well. Then on to safety, there's a lot of safeties and typically they're only going to keep four, maybe five, and the fifth might be Dax Hill as a swing guy. So there's not a lot of room for everybody. Tyson Anderson, rookie. I told you from what I've seen of him and I saw him in person, he's someone you don't want to mess with. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him as a special teamer and as a big hitter and you know hopefully he doesn't hurt too many of his teammates in training camp I'm very excited to see him hit the opposite color this year. Jesse Bates Jesse please come home. I'm not even gonna talk about money or what you should do or me making your life decisions for you. Just please come home. We're gonna make a Super Bowl just please. Von Bell, what am I gonna say about Von Bell? a great year last year' been great since he came here a leader. Trayvon Henderson, another guy that every year finds himself on the squad through working hard, through knowing the scheme. The coaching staff loves him. It's more of an uphill battle this year because they drafted a couple guys that play his position, but he's he's had the fight to make this team every year since he's been in the league, whether it be practice squad or not. So, And he had the interception last year, which, which was fun. So wishing him the best. You know, he's kind of one of our guys. Every year you, you see Trayvon Henderson – in number 41 in uniform somewhere so pulling for you Trayvon good luck Dax Hill first round pick hopefully if anything happens with Jesse Bates he's going to be the man and hopefully if nothing happens with Jesse Bates he's going to learn from Jesse and become the man and just an an outstanding athlete confident the mental game is not too big for him so very very excited to see what Daxton Hill is going to bring this year Michael Thomas, the veteran safety, the oldest guy on the team that's not a special team, at 32, the personal protector on punts, a good guy to have in the room to nurture the younger players. He was, he was teaching Tyson Anderson some of the ins and outs of being a personal protector, so he's not selfish. You know, he's, he's not Ryan Tannehill. He's not afraid to train his potential replacement. So a good roster guy. We'll see if he has the luck and the ability and the health to make the squad in his ninth year. And then you have Brandon Wilson, one of my favorites. And if he's returning kicks, that's such an underrated weapon that we've forgotten about because of the injury. It's going to take him a little while to get back to normal. But if he is back to normal, he's got a spot on this team and he's going to be returning kicks and he's going to be changing games and flipping field position. On to the specialists, Evan McPherson. They didn't even bring in competition for him because how can you? He's at the top of the game right now. Think of all the clutch kicks from last year. I mean, just absolutely amazing. His ability to not let anything get too big for him, even as a rookie. He just has it. As I said it before, and I'll say it again, he's the Joe Burrow of kickers, and I'm so grateful that we have him. Punters, you have Kevin Huber. The leg's getting a little old, but the holding is, is not getting old, and he's competing against Drew Christman, who the leg is young and fresh and booming. But the holding is not quite the same as Kevin Huber. So we're going to see what happens with this battle. And either way, Huber's going to help him out. He's going to push Huber. If Crispin doesn't make it, they're probably going to find a way to keep him around because he will be the punter of the future for this team. Hopefully he gets the holding game totally together because it's very important. The broken hand last year didn't help. And then on to long snappers. Same kind of boat here is the, the veteran against the rookie. And you have my favorite, Clark Harris. Never an unplayable snap in his career, so I don't see how you can replace him under any circumstance, no matter how highly touted the new guy is. And you have Cal Adamitis, who's going to come in as the top long snapper in the country, so you can't go wrong there. I think this is Harris's edge, but we don't know yet until the bullets start flying. You know, I'm just pulling for Harris because he's one of my favorites. But either way, you can't lose, and if Harris does beat out Adamitis. Hopefully they find a way to keep Adamitis around. So we have an insurance policy if anything happens to Harris or he decides to retire or move on in another year or so. So yes, I went a lot longer than I thought, but I told you this is my favorite thing to do. So I, once I start on this, I just can't stop. And I was even trying to cut it short. I probably could have made this double the length that it was. But thanks for hanging in there with me. Just a couple final notes on the roster. We're returning 17 starters from last year. And that's a good number from a Super Bowl team. You remember the Buccaneers returned 22 starters last year, right? And still didn't make the Super Bowl. But that's that has nothing to do with us. I just like the fact that we're bringing back so many guys. And the only guys that we're not bringing back are Uzama, who we replaced with a guy who I feel is better with Hayden Hurst. And we're not bringing back, at least not yet, Quentin Spain, Riley Reef. Trey Hopkins and three guys that contributed and, but were also part of a line that wasn't at the top of its game last year to put it nicely. So those are the four offensive guys that we lost. We, we got better at tight end and we got better at the other three positions there. And then on defense, the only guy that we're not bringing back is Ogan Joby, which is a major blow. We know he's on Pittsburgh, but BJ Hill was pretty much his equal last year. But now we don't have a B.J. Hill rotating with Joby. We're going to have to find that in one of the younger players. And then the other thing is, aside from Michael Thomas, the safety, who's 32, and Huber and Harris, who obviously have been in the league since the Stone Age, the oldest player on the team is 29. So that shows a couple things. The NFL is a young man's league. We know that. And we're a young team, and I love to see that. You want to see – if you're a a team with all your guys under 30 – and you're a Super Bowl-level team, you're probably going to be a contender for years to come, as long as you can keep everybody signed or keep most of the guys signed. So good stuff there. Returning a bunch of starters, still a very young team. The future is bright. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to continue our review of training camp for the Cincinnati Bengals, and we're going to welcome in some special guests as well. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.